0: Alright, welcome to this episode of uh, Xenoforce Reborn, I'm your host, Doug Bindo, and today we have Azusa, we're doing it live uh, yet again. Um, just to let you guys know, I did post up um, the schedule, or part of the schedule anyways, I'm going to post up a couple more episodes, but the scheduling for uh, Xenoforce uh, Reborn, um, keep in mind that we don't use talk shoe, uh or at least I'm not doing it tonight anyways but we don't use TalkShoe, uh, we use a free conference call, as far as that goes, if you guys want to join, um, I know that you guys are listening, uh, I, I can tell by the downloads and stuff like that, um, but if you guys do want to participate, um, you can definitely, you know, stop in, even if you just want to be a silent listener, that's cool, no big deal, um, it's not like I haven't seen it before, uh, but anyways, that's just that, so, to get on to um, business, To begin with, with tonight's episode, um, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be talking about the Earth Federation. Um, the reasoning for it is simply just the, the depth and the scope of where we sit right now with the Earth Federation, what it's really offering and how it really is making an impact in terms of how, you know, the game is actually played and the kind of things that you can look at in terms of impact. Now, I do want to say that, um in regards to what we're going to talk about tonight, we are not going to talk about advanced units. Uh, we're not going to do that, okay? So this is not going to be some, like, rundown of, hey, you know what, this is unit A, B, C, D, you know, from, you know, least to greatest, and then, you know, this is what this does on the battlefield. That's not what I'm talking about here. What I'm talking about is an entirely different um, outlook on how the Earth Federation basically works from a general purpose perspective and how players can really take advantage of it. Now, keep in mind, there's only, effectively, I'm going to say for the sake of the conversation, a solid two-thirds of the Earth Federation in the game right now. Okay, so that extra third, all right, can make a huge difference. Um, However, it's not in the game yet. So whether it does in one form or another for the sake of what tonight's conversation is going to be, doesn't matter one way or another, I guess you could say, uh, because this is based more on hard fact, it's not based on so much an idea, okay? Now, a lot of times, you know, ideas do translate over to hard fact, uh, you know, and, and I'll be the first to sit up here and say that, um, you know, when you get good enough at doing these kind of things, you can conceptualize exactly what a unit's going to be, how it reacts on the battlefield how it's going to impact everything, and from there, you already know the story that's been written on it before you've even stuck it in the game. Um, now, in many respects, there are certain things you can't see, and part of that's going to be based on things like terrain, for example. Like, um, when you're talking about a a given battlefield, and you have high elevation, um, and you have low elevation, and how does that actually you know, play into the interpretation of how units perform and stuff like that. Um, also, another thing you look at is uh, the uh, the eco on the battlefield, you know, the economy and how it's structured um, and things of that nature. Like, those kind of things can play heavily into a game. Um, also, you look at things like passageways and, and, and stuff like that, like avenues that you have to navigate and, and and what have you not, like, is it narrow or is it wide and open and so on and so forth. Again, these things make a difference and they make a huge difference, uh, from a gameplay perspective. So for me personally, um, in how it works, uh, there are lots of things that for the Earth Federation and for Nod and for, you know, GDI and Scrin that I've had to explore. Uh, but the Earth Federation has definitely been on a different journey thus far (laughs) than the other factions have. Now, Part of the reason for this is that the Earth Federation just works off of different mechanics, and those mechanics lend to its uniqueness and to why it's in the game in the first place. I mean, like, if you think about it, for people who like to, I guess you could say, mod um, Tiberium Wars or Command & Conquer in general, uh, one of the things that always kind of blows my mind is how Sometimes it's just the idea of putting a different skin, if you will, over a model um, that's already pre-existing and then just calling it a day, you know. Um, to me, that's not necessarily enough. Now, I do understand the concept of flushing out an assortment. In other words, you know, you're you're adding units in that basically beef up or put meat on the bones, however you'd like to sit up here and place the term of it <coughs> to the faction. Um, I do understand that. But all too often, what happens is you get these scenarios, and I'm quite sure Azusa can attest to this, where you go to play a mod, and what happens is you're playing a faction that is, you know, geared towards infantry play, so all of a sudden, instead of having like one or two, you know, um, infantry-based carriers, you end up with like 12 or 20 of them you know, different variations, and, you know, you're you're sitting there looking at it, and you're going, well, why do I need to have 20 variations of the same APC, or, you know, armored fighting vehicle, like, like why do I need to actually have that, um, and, and that's the kind of thing I'm talking about here, in terms of, like, what is, I'd say, almost like, I find a waste in, in many respects, I think when you start off modding, it sounds really cool, um, simply because you're just wanting to throw all your creativity in there but as you get more serious about what you're doing and as you basically you know create a checklist of what you actually need there as the necessity um, I think that that um, begins to subside at some point or or should um, Azusa, I don't know how you feel about that but that's that is something that I've always noticed um, in just about every mod ever made
1: I agree with you. I mean, I'll, I'll chime in if I have a, if I disagree with you or if I have something to add, but no, I mean,
0: that makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. Um, and in some cases it just ends up killing the mod. It it does. Uh, because what happens is you get weighted down by this frivolousness on this side, an assortment, and it detracts from what should have been greater focuses on, you know, other sides. Uh, Command-and-conquer generals is is a great example of this. Um, you know, you, for example, look at the U.S., you look at the concepts of, I want to say, like, artillery, all you got is that Tomahawk launcher. Now, the Tomahawk launcher's cool, don't get me wrong, but you can't use that as artillery. It doesn't make any damn sense. It's not artillery. You know, it's a cruise missile. It's entirely different. Um, and somehow, the Chinese, you know, they end up with the artillery, and, and the Americans have none. And yet, when you sit up here and see people mod the games, um, (laughs) what happens is, you know, you end up in these weird scenarios where the U.S. gets no artillery still, or what happens is you get, like, these just various different forms of tank A, B, C, D, and if you're lucky, you get, like, one artillery piece. You know, that's how it works. Um, And that's because there's this overemphasis on giving the U.S., like, more and more tanks, for example. You know, so where artillery should have been the focus. Uh Instead, what you do is you you give the U.S., you know, like, tank type A, and then tank type B, and then tank type C, you know, and it, it's like...
1: Well, know. I always felt, um, I always felt that in Command & Conquer General's, China was the traditional army, and the United States was more of a high-tech one where they weren't really focused on the tanks themselves. But you have those drones that you could add on to them to give them, I don't know, to kind of counter where the tank itself was weakened? You know what I mean? I could yeah. be wrong. I am mean, looking back at this, I haven't played Command & Conquer Generals in 15 years. It's been that long? Holy shit.
0: It has been a while since we played it. Yeah.
1: For a long, long time. But, yeah, the U.S. always felt to be more of a, uh, army designed around, you get this unit, and then you can upgrade it to counter its weakness, versus China, where you get this unit, and if you wanted to fix its weakness, you build another unit.
0: Yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah, that's how it's assembled. That's how it's set up. That's exactly how it's set up. Um... But ironically, when everybody does their mods, they don't do that, they don't follow the uh, the uh magical flow there, they, do. they end up doing something else. Um, but that doesn't make, you know, the mods bad or anything, it's just, like I said, it, I find it as a form of, like, you know, just a mod diluting itself over time. So, to the point of <clears throat> where we're going tonight, with it is this, is I've been privileged to playing the Earth Federation now for some while, and... Um, You know, I think one of the big things that people have on their minds are Leos versus GMs. Like, you've seen the Leo now. You've seen the Leo, and and you probably are looking to yourself and saying, or looking at yourself, or looking at us and saying, why on earth do you guys have Leos and GMs in the game? Like, why do you? You know, um, and... Because Leos are awesome! That that has a little bit to do with it. Leos are awesome. Um, I will tell you right now, I love the Leo. I always have loved the Leo. Uh, I do think that the Leo was a victim of 90s anime. Um, and, and I do think in the 90s, there was a lot of victimism going on uh, with the idea that you just had fluff to basically boost up other things. Like, for example, if you watch Gundam Wing, you know, um, the Leo was just there. Yeah, the Leos
1: were used, sorry, but I'm just going to say, yeah, the Leos were always used as the way to prove how awesome the Gundams were. If you look at the Leo as it was, I mean, Doug, you know me. People online should know me by now. I like the Zaku. The Zaku, too, is my mobile suit to go to. I remember that one game, I don't know what Japanese game you had on your PS2 but I was playing as a base knocker too you picked some Gundam and right from the get go I was outmatched But I came so close to beating you in that game you had like a sliver of health left if this was an actual war you would have been one of those like yeah I killed that motherfucker but Jesus Christ I was that that Zeon pilot that made Armour sweat some blood sweat and tears to get his win in those LGs, I love them and the of the Wheel. They are base suits that are very underrated.
0: Yeah, it was, um, I believe the game that we played was, uh, Gundam Lost War Chronicles. No, UC Chronicles. Yeah, it was UC Chronicles. That's what it was. Gundam UC Chronicles. That's that's what we played. Lost Wars for, uh, um, I think, uh, PSP. No, we played it on the PS2, though, and this is, yeah, this was during the time before you had emulators and all that other stuff, yeah, this was, like, a hard, like, Doug had to hack his PS2 to play the game, that's what it was, had to rip that bitch apart, make it work, um, but yeah, uh, the, the Leo itself, eh, now, I think it's a little different than the Zaku, like, you know, Ryan loves the Zaku, I, myself, I'm not a big fan of the Zaku, Um, I just think that it's a poorly made mobile suit. Ironically, though, I do like the Zaku 1. I like the Zaku 1, you know? Um, I've got all the respect in the world for it. I don't like the Zaku 2 that much. Uh, but that's... I'd say that's more or less just the fact that I think it's where I came in on the Gundam timeline. That's what it was. Like, I look at things like the Goof, and I go, Oh, this thing is so beautiful. I look at things like the Dom, and I go, Oh, that's pretty awesome. Um, and I'm talking like the Rick Dantz. Everyone too.
1: now knows, everyone now knows why we fight against each other in these games. Because you're a Federation scum, and I'm pure Zeon.
0: No, it's because the GM is the sexiest concept of mobile suit ever made. That's why. And inherently,
1: <laughs> give me a
0: break. It, Inherently, yes. No, I love Earth Federation mobile suits. I do not like Xeonic mobile suits that much. I only like a few Xeonic mobile suits, to be perfectly honest with you guys. Um, so, it is funny in that respect. Okay, well,
1: I will really agree with you on this. I do understand where you're coming from, because... I love Zeon. You know that. Zeon Mobile Suit, the Principality of Zeon, what they were originally going after before they fell to corruption, for it. Sure. Then you go to Gundam Seed and what they did in Seed Destiny with the Millennium series. There is no way in hell I am taking any of those Millennium series zakus or goofs over the original ones. Because to me, those are a travesty upon the name of Zeon. It's... I know what they were going for, but no. Fuck that shit. Old Federation, even with their crazy ass mobile elements at that point, I would agree with them more because at least they're doing something new and original and they're not trying to steal from another show just to keep their fans happy.
0: Look, there's some truth to that. There, There is some total truth to that. Uh... My reasoning for liking the Earth Federation mobile suits is, for for those of you who are wondering, is I like it for the u- uniformity. That's what I like it for. Um, ironically, when I played Xenoforce, I played as Zeon because, like, no one wanted to play Xeon, so I got stuck with playing Zeon. Um, but when it, when it came to, when it comes to actual like what I like, I like the uniformity of the Earth Federation. Um, the GMs make sense uh, you know, it's like, connect the dots, there you go, with Xeon, the shit's all over the place, I mean, it's like, ah, the Zaku's supposed to be this, but Nat sucks at this, so let's go get a goof, okay, fine, then somehow, we just come up with a dom, ah, fuck that shit, let's go get a Rick dom, okay, there we go, just, it, it's just too all over the place, uh, for my own personal so, taste. It's, it's
1: all over the place,
0: though,
1: from storytelling, Well, of, course, yeah. of the RX-78, that's all it is. It's the goof, or the Zaku 2 was the top suit. Even a Zaku 2 versus an RGM-79, which would be the fair fight, it was a fair fight. But in the show, they kept showing you all these new mobile suits to try to tear with this Gundam, but they wouldn't fucking build something that was actually able to fight this Gundam. They were trying to, okay, well, maybe a 15% increase in performance will do it. No, well, let's try another 5%. No, maybe another 5%. Fuckers, the RX-78 was so far advanced to the Zaki-2s, they needed to come out with something huge, which is why it took them to the end of the show to actually get to that point. They wasted all those times, that time and resources for no reason. But, again, that comes down to storytelling and, you know, character shields and all that shit.
0: There's, hey, look, there's truth to that. Um, and that's why I'm an OVA purist for the most part. Um, Ryan will tell you, whenever Doug starts talking about Gundam, he starts talking OVA. You don't ever hear him talk about, uh, standard series. Um, because of shitty ass storytelling. Or, the the sake of storytelling to justify, you know, the creation of something, um, I, I tend to be OVA based, but not to lose focus of, of, of where I'm going with this. Um, you know, people go, why, why have Leo's and GM's? And the reasoning for it is that they each represent something different and they, and they mean something different in their collective series, but also more importantly than that, They play differently. They are different entities on the battlefield. They are. Uh, Like, for example, the the Leo, for all that the crap that it gets from the Gundam, is a very, very, very well-made and respectable mobile suit. It is. Now, I I know there are going to be people who are going to listen to this and go, wait a minute here, you're talking about the Leo being respectable, the Leo being great, didn't the Gundam just blow those things up left and right? Well, the answer is yes, they did. Not denying that, but the Leo could handle all the core functions at a respectable level in regards to combat that um, you know, combative roles that needed to be uh, fulfilled. And it wasn't like, hey, we need to come out with another mobile suit to replace this mobile suit, or come out with you know a variation of this to replace this. You really didn't have that with Leo. Granted, there were other mobile suits. No one's denying that, okay? But those mobile suits came about, A, after the fact, and, B, they were not there to replace the Leo, which is most important. You know, the Leo at the end was the same Leo that it was at the beginning of the series. You know, um, and...
1: Right, and you also have take into account... Gundam story for Gundam Wing, if I remember it correctly, you've got those scientists in the, uh, I don't really even want to call them the Earth Federation at that point. I don't know who they were at that point, but they were building the Toggies And they decided it was overpowering for what they needed it for. They needed a mobile suit that would be mobile and, you know, multi faceted when they can use different weapons and it'd be a mobile suit, basically. But look what they were going up against. They were going up against tanks and helicopters and jets. And in that situation, yeah, the targets would have been an incredible waste of money and time to try to get pilots able to, you know, Pilot something like that. So they dumbed it down to make the Leos. The Leos for what they were meant to do and what they were used for they were more than enough to do the damn job. You can't say that about a lot of the stuff from the UC series.
0: Yeah. And, and that's, and that's the thing about it. The Leo was a multi, like a general purpose, general frame, multi-based mobile suit that literally could do the job at a reasonable cost. In contrast, you look at UC, just like, you know, Azusa just pointed out here, and we look at the GM. And the thing about the GM is this, the GM was meant to do one thing and one thing only, to basically give the edge to the Earth Federation mobile suit pilot over the opposing mobile suit pilot it was going up against. That was the whole point behind the GM. So where the LEO was designed to fight conventional-based weapons of today, and by today I'm talking about, you know, obviously, the world we live in today, the GM was made to fight you know, mobile suits like, for example, the Leo. That's what it would be made to fight. Now, granted, you know, depending on how you you feel about, you know, Xeon and the Earth Federation, you know, that pretty much will tell you where you lie on the Earth Federation and your belief of its GM uh, development. I personally think that the GM development that the Earth Federation had, if you go more to the OVA style of stuff, um, it is excellent. It is, uh, because it's still, it, it has that level of believability to it, um, while still having, you know, the respectability to go right along with it. Um, and what I mean by that is this, is that, you know, the shit makes sense, and you can respect for, you know, where it comes from. Now, it doesn't mean every is a great GM, and I'm not going to sit up here and go through every single GM or something like that, but I'm just saying for what the GM represents, okay, as a, you know, for the pilot that you don't even get to see his face, all you get to do is basically see his helmet, you know, the helmet shades his eyes, and then, you know, you get to see his nose and mouth, I mean, like, that's basically how it works, yet that pilot there, you know, it's like in every single Gundam turn-based strategy game, Um, the GM serves its purpose in that respect, It, it works for that pilot, you know, um, now, how does this play into the the, uh, the game? You know, like, how, how does this reflect itself on the battlefield? And this is what I spent the entire week actually doing, is I spent the entire week literally um, understanding the roles of how the GM plays and fits into the game versus how the Leo does. And there were some staggering, you know, findings that I found. Um, um or I had made, I mean, I shouldn't say I, I you know, findings I had found, but I had made um in, in terms of how the game worked. My most recent one, actually today, like I'm talking less than like three hours ago before we started this episode, was how the GM raid works and how it works in response to doing something like the Leo. So, let's say, just for the sake of the conversation, you have a scenario where you've got a, you know, base up on a hill, okay? Or you've got to travel up, you know, uh, a narrow passage. you got to do that. Um, and at the same time, you've got, like, a lower ravine, okay? Um, so, you have high elevation and low elevation. This is how the base is set up. Well, if you were to send Leos in the way that they work, Leos are very linear, um, basically just the way they work is they have the ability to move forward but the problem is you know you got to go back to the fact that they're a general purpose general frame unit so when it comes to the leo you have to build them in mass you have to basically treat them like infantry in the sense of having you know the rocketeer or the grenader or whatever the case might be um, from that sense but from a Leo construct, that is, um, obviously we're not saying the the Leo's a rifleman. Um, but what happens is you send them out there, you know, and let's say for example, the Leo runs into artillery. Well, if the Leo runs into artillery, what happens? Like just, they start getting picked off. That's what happens. They get hit by some artillery. They get, they're done. It's over. They're not coming back. Okay. So what happens is, you have a scenario where you have all of these Leos that have amassed themselves, you go up to this, uh, you know, given area, you have a narrow passageway, plus you have stuff at the bottom of the ravine, you end up meeting artillery, and then poof, your Leos are gone. You know, some Leos make it up, you know, past, I want to say, the passageway, uh, they inflict, you know, uh, some damage to the structures and stuff like that, um, but the problem with the Leo, of course, is just exactly what it, you know, how it can react in, in a given scenario. It's, it's very, very, uh, shall we say, one-dimensional in that sense.
1: Flip it around. Hey, to, but I mean, would you okay. really, uh, want to send Leos in in that situation? Remember, you got UC as an option too. I don't understand why you would send an army of Leos against a, I don't know, uh, It's a focused issue, you know what I mean? It's a focal point where you know that there's a bottleneck, you need to get past it, either use wheels with the jetpacks, or go with something that can draw the fire so the wheels can get closer.
0: You do it for the cash, okay? you got to fund your army somehow, you do it for the cash. All right. Um, I'll get into that a little bit. my
1: point is, you got to distract them, you don't just send a bunch of units in and go, oh, well... I just lost 15 wheels because I wasn't smart enough to distract them by sending a uh, Toggy's or a gym Custom in there first to shoot at that before the wheels went in, so they get closer.
0: Well, w- wait a minute here. I'll address that. I'll address that. Okay. I'm gonna. I, I will address what Azusa sat up here and said. Okay, because I- I'm sure someone else is asking that too. All right. But okay. So so you have that scenario. On the flip side scenario. What you have is you have your GM Kaya, okay? GM Kaya has minimal boost capability. That means when something tries to shoot it, it can get the hell out of the way, just in plain English, okay? However, you have an advanced version of the Kaya, which is the Raid. Now, this is important to understand, okay? This is important to understand. Oh,
1: Raid, by the way.
0: Uh, So do I. The first thing to understand about the GMs versus the Leos is Leos give you cash, all right, you get to cash in on your success. Raids uh, I'm sorry, the GM Kaya doesn't allow you to do that. Okay, you don't get to cash in on your success. What happens in its respect is you have a higher form of it. Number one, um, which is the raid. Okay, so when, when you're when you're basically looking at the Leo, for example, and putting it up against the GM Kaya. The first thing you have to ask yourself is: Are you putting it up against the Kaya? Are you putting it up against its higher, you know, form of itself, which is the the Kaya uh, raid? Which one are you putting it up against? Okay, because that's very very different, as you'll find out here in a moment. Um, the second thing, though, is the Kaya, in terms of its advantage over the Leo, is the fact that as a singular unit, it is more geared towards a multi-purpose role. It is. Where the Leo runs into a given scenario, and if it is compromised in that scenario, the unit is totally lost. The Kaya, on the flip side is very, very different. Um, It has the ability to bounce back. So you have a resetting of the mobile suit and its abilities um, from the standpoint of the GM. Versus with the Leo, you don't actually have that, and, and that's pretty important here. So, like, imagine for example, you produce a number of Leos, you go out, and you run into you know some Rocketeers. Well, you run into some Rocketeers, you're going to take some damage. I mean, that's just how that works. Where with the Kaya, they have their vocal cannons, uh, or I'm sorry, Vulcan cannons. So what happens with the Vulcan cannons is it's able to sit up here and you know kill off the uh the Rocketeers to some degree. I mean, like that. That's typically how it works even if the Kaya is compromised, it still has a chance to boost, okay? Now, again, we talk about this concept of a stronghold. We talk about narrow passageways and things like that. And one of the big advantages that the Kaya actually has in this case is the fact that it has its alternate form, uh, the Raider. And with the Raid, I call it Raider Raider, but it's the same thing. But anyways, with the Raid, the way it works is the Raid actually gives the kaya a greater mobility than what it would have standard okay so you've boosted up in your mobility b what it gives the kaya is it also gives the kaya the demolition chain now again this is different from the leo the leo uses one weapon in terms of a primary weapon and that's it but if you step outside of bounds of whatever it is, you kind of lose out on that with the Kaya. You don't have that. The Kaya gains like a multi-purposed, uh, weapon system that to a degree, depending on what you're going after, you know, it can, it can, it can, uh, lay down the law pretty, pretty heavily, um, on its, uh, you know, on its opposing, uh, you know, force. So, when you talk about the stronghold and you talk about Kaia's, one of the big advantages that you do get is, A, their greater mobility. So you have that narrow passageway, they can get up it up faster. Second thing the kai can do over the Leo is once when they are, you know, in, they got their foot in the door, as to say, they're able to use their demolition chains and, and what have you not to actually, um, you know, widen the, the gap, okay, to force more of their, you know, um, you know, companions through the doorway, if you'd like to think of it like that. And, you know, to the respect of that, the Kaya still does, of course, you know, land itself in the area of being able to be hit by artillery, uh, auto cannons and all of the above, just like what the Leo does. That part doesn't change. But because it also has a boost ability on top of that, the advantage that the Kaya gets in this case is the Kaya gets, you know, the ability to try it over again. Um, in the same way that it does with the raid. Okay. You know, you get that, that, that extra lifespan, Um, if you have a pilot that's good enough not to, you know, die the first time around. So they're very, very different things. Okay. They are now keep in mind the Kaya, meaning the raid costs 2000. The Leo. Cost seven hundred, so there's a huge difference in price. I mean, you could basically build three Leos for every one Kaya. But when you guys are thinking about like how does this work on the battlefield and stuff like that, allow me now to sit up here and answer Azusa's question: Why would you go send Leos to a base um, with a narrow passageway when there are better options out there? And this is one of the things I realized. Sometimes the better option is not always the best option. Like, for example, Nod, their decoy structures, those things, all right? The reason why I would send a force of Leos out there is because if my mobile suits are going to be captured, then they are going to capture some weak-ass mobile suits. That's what they're going to do. I'm not going to allow for my Gundams to get captured I'm not going to allow for my GM canine to get captured. I'm not going to allow for high performance mobile suits to get captured in any way, shape or form. So when you think about why would you, um, basically, you know, profess to use the Leo in such a attritious uh, scenario, the reason for it partly is just the low collateral. That's one of the reasons why. Okay.
1: Okay. This okay, I can understand that, but under that mentality, you know you're going to lose some units one way or the other. That My counter is- to that would be why don't you just build three or four mini trays and big trays, then before you attack that bottleneck, hit it with an artillery barrage and just wipe it out so that you're you can send some Kai's in and hopefully get a couple of Power GMs out of the
0: deal with the Neos. Okay, so let me answer those two things. Okay. So one of the reasons, um, uh, as far as the Kai's go, uh, I did get Power GMs out of the deal. Um, I did send in some Power GMs. Oh, and they took the Power GMs. They did, they, they took some of them anyways. Uh, but that wasn't that big of a problem. Um, it's just psychologically, there's nothing nice about, you know, that little triangle thing coming down with the little like little sound effect that it gives when your shit's being lost and you're like, ah oh, fuck, I'm in some trouble now. Um But uh uh to, to answer the other half of that, uh on on the big tray artillery bombardment, that wasn't the focus. See that that's one of the one of the things here. It wasn't the focus. It was to see how well it was to see how well lower tier stuff would work in a given scenario. Like in other words, how long can it last? Um, a great example is this. Okay. Here's a great example. So I had a mixed in where you had Kaia's and you had Leo's and I was going up against Nod. All right. And the AI decides I'm going to sit up here and send like 20 Nod dreadnoughts up against, you know, Doug and his force of Leo's and Kaia's. And you know what happened? Take a guess. Yeah, I built dreadnoughts. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry, uh, no, not dreadnoughts. The, um, what's the flying thing? I forget it. Uh, the titan? Is it? Titans. Yeah, okay. the titans. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was the titans. Yeah, I built like, I want to say 10 to 15 titans. And I had like 50. Well,
1: the leaders would have gotten wiped out by the titan easily. I can't imagine the titans surviving much better against them. Even if you would have taken out a titan sort of had to deal with the avatar that came out of it, and then the cyborg after that. And you are correct. And I know for a fact that cyborgs one-on-one will take out a Leo by itself. So, the, it couldn't have ended well for you.
0: No, it didn't end well. I saw them all get crushed. I was like, damn. I said, this is why you use higher tier shit right here. But, that oh, the AI wasn't done. This was against Nod, nah, by the way, not GDI. Um, the AI wasn't done it actually used the salamander nuke too but the and then it used its its attack powers like endlessly um the reason to why the leo made sense okay was that a the ai had already advanced itself like like remember it depends on who you fight and how you're fighting okay and what you got to remember is this if you're fighting nod nod works through an lvl Okay, so basically it kills off one or two Leos or one or two Kayas, and it's cashing in on you regardless. Okay, so what happens with Nod is with Nod, you're fighting mostly weapon systems and stuff like that. You're not even so much fighting units as you're fighting systems. So, like, for example, you could have GM this, that, or the other there, high-performance GMs, but when stealth tanks come through, And they start sniping your GMs, all right, which is, you know, I saw that happen too. You're like, wait a second here. I can't be messing around with the shit like this. Like, in other words, to a degree, it's almost like an eco exchange, if you would like to think of it like that, where the Leos are cheap enough, okay, they're just cheap enough to where when you kill the stealth tank after you've lost so many, you know, Leos, It kind of makes up for itself in the end. That's what it does, you know, and and you have that attrition um, of, of, of eco swapping that goes back and forth effectively where Nod can sit up here and, you know, have its four different eco tech powers and the Earth Federation is able to say, okay, as a counter to this, I'm going to use the Leo in this respect in order to make this happen in conjunction with the gun tanks, the Harvest, and so on and so forth. Um, but the reasoning to going with general-purpose lower-tech stuff was to see how well it could hold out against other factions in their mainstream of, of, of gameplay. That's what it was. That's that's what I was looking at there um, in various different ways. Um, so... To, to be clear here, you are not going to win a battle by doing this. Alright, anybody who sits up here and thinks that you are going to win a battle by doing Leo's and Kaya, Kaya's, going up against Nod, if you win it, it's going to be like four hours after you began it. That's what's going to happen. Okay, Um
1: See, I think the only way they're going to win it is if they do it early. Because once Nod gets to, uh, building titans and dreadnoughts, Tier three, tier four, and if you're not also countering that with other tier three, tier four, it doesn't matter.
0: For the most part, it doesn't. You're right. It doesn't. It really doesn't.
1: Um, I mean, if they try to win a battle using nothing but pit bulls, it's not going to work unless you do it really early.
0: Yeah, and you're right about that. Like Nod, Nod's biggest, uh, one of its biggest uh, advantages really is it, is terrain. It is. If they are given the proper terrain. You, you can't really send heavy stuff in there because the decoy powers are are the decoy ability is just going to take it. That's what's going to happen. Anybody who's got common sense is going to say, let me decoy it up. The other problem you run into though, is the fact that they can send out, you know, tier three or tier four stuff. So basically what you've got to do is figure out a way to get tier one stuff in So that you can basically not take a loss, if it were, um, of, of significance from the standpoint of a, a, uh, decoy swap. But at the same time, you got to make sure your shit can get up there. Like the idea of being able to amass a force of like 200, you know, baseline mobile suits, and then you're going to go in there and just kick their ass. It doesn't work like that. Okay. Um, and trust me, I gave this a lot, a lot of testing. It doesn't work like that at all. Now, I was privileged to a battle where GDI actually allowed for that. What it tried to do is it simply just tried to out-tech me in the actual battle. That's what it did. And that's why ultimately it ended up losing was the fact that it relied way too much on trying to out-tech me. It relied way too much on the Rex. It relied way too much on its, its Kodiaks um, and heavier tanks. And what it did is it centralized itself where I basically spreaded myself out and simply concentrated on key areas, um, on the battlefield. And that's how I was ultimately able to win. Um, now with that being said, I did actually have to break down and use, uh, the, the power GM. Okay. And I would use the raid form and I'd use the advanced power GM. I, I did have to sit up here and do that. Um as far as, uh, you know, as, as far as that went. Um, but like I said, there's, there, there are different ways. I hope so. Yeah, I, I had to, I mean, look, you know, the shit's balanced. That's what I'm saying here. Um, the, <laughs> the, the point of what I'm saying though is this, and, and, and this is what I'm going after. Your general purpose is there to serve an actual purpose. It is, but you have to understand what the purpose of it is. The idea of using Leo's as general purpose is very, very different than if you were going after the Kaya. But I would also sit up here and say, that's very different than if you were trying to use the GM sniper as your main, you know, tip of the spear, uh, in general purpose. Or if you, (coughs) sorry, if you were trying to use, uh, the customs again, the, it, it's very different. They each offer something very, 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 very different uh, to the player. And I tested, I want to say, all of them. I, I did. Um, and on various trains. And right now, I'm actually fighting on a train where I don't even know if the Earth Federation can actually win it, to tell you the truth. Um, it, it's one of these really odd ones where you have different passageways and stuff like that. But the problem is is that it seems like for a faction like GDI that can quickly, you know, expand and can get heavy mechanized armor out early on in game, that's literally all they need. That's all they gotta do is simply just go in there, expand mechanized armor, you know, um, you know, just tech their way through it and just go in with, um, with just a push of heavy mammoth tank, uh, you know, armor and, just keep pushing you back until it's just done and over.
1: So, you know, this is... A... defensively. Oh, what was that? I said play defensively. I'm telling you, man. I mean, I played one game a while ago versus Nod, where they pissed me off. I was originally only meaning to test a couple of units. And, you know, you get into a game and things get to a point where you're like, okay, I figured out what I wanted to know. But the AI was pissing me off because it was doing a damn good job of making me work to find out what I needed to find out. So I built four mini trays and three big trays in my home base. And using that bombardment, bombardment tool, I would target one of the key areas and I would just unleash unholy hell every couple of minutes onto them. They couldn't get through my front door because I had a ton of Leos and uh, GPO-1s sitting there at the front door, just able to hold them back. And the sheer amount of bombardment power was enough to finally start pushing them back and then making them pay.
0: Now, I know I can sit up here and play defensively. I do. What I'm wanting to see is how the mobile suits can stand on their own. Like what is their shall we say what is their breaking point? That's what I'm looking to see. You know, and and, and I think I've I found it as far as at least the Leos and the Kaias go. I don't know about the rest of the stuff. I mean, it might be differently because I I haven't tried like for example using the GM Sniper 2 um or using the uh the GM uh, custom. Those and, and given, those, those, yeah, and those
1: GM those are GM Customs can really hold their
0: own. They can. They they really can. If it's done right, they can. They will. They got the right pilot. They'll definitely hold their own. So it's, like I said, it's different terrains, um, you know, that have different economies and stuff like that, and, uh, it's, you know, it's, why do you have, it goes back to the original question of, why do you have Leos, why do you have GMs, and, and how does it impact? And, um... To let you guys know, there there's a huge difference between using GMs and Leos. Um, and I'm talking aside from, like, you know, sup, you know mobile suit reinforcement drops versus um, income, you know, uh, there's a difference in mechanically how the mobile suits actually work. Uh, so you can't sit up here and fight a battle with GMs and then try to replace them with Leos and expect the same results. It, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't even come close to working that way. In um, you know, the reason why I'm testing this, again, is to see the breaking point, but also to sit up here and see if the stuff is balanced. I mean, like, for example, if we were able to take, you know, Leos and literally just build a hundred of them and push them up against, you know, an enemy, uh, you know, fortification and knock it down um, in less than seven minutes into a game, then obviously we know there's something that's not balanced correctly about the Leo. Um, but literally, you know, you can amass a hundred Leos if you want to, or a couple hundred Leos or a thousand Leos if you want to, but don't be surprised when like mammoth tanks just, you know, basically pick them off or you run into some Titans or if you run into some avatars, I mean, it's to what Azusa said, it's very true. I mean, you know, you can have a hundred Leos there and then, you know, you get 10, you know, avatar, um, titans that roll up and kiss those Leos goodbye. You can they're just not going to make it. Um, I mean, they may kill off or, or basically inflict significant damage onto the avatar, uh, force, but the bottom line is the earth Federation player in that skirmish will not be the victor that they, they just won't be. So, um, there's a lot for, for, you know, for people to take in with, you know, what they're looking at in terms of our progress and, and the picks that we're posting up and stuff like that. There is a lot to take in. Um, I would definitely say you don't want to, shall I say, misjudge um, what we're doing with the idea of they're just throwing variety in there for the sake of variety um there are certain scenarios where you definitely need um the leos to to make it through you just can't do it without them there are other scenarios where you are literally just not it's not in your best interest to to just use the leos simply because of the fact that they have such a high collateral in that respect you know and again i I go back to if you're going to face a faction like Nod. Doing Leos aren't necessarily the smartest thing because it's like the quickest way to get a Nod player to just LVL right on top of you. And before you know it, you know, he's coming down the pike with a Colossus or with a Salamander, you know, and you're holding shit in your bag and you're trying to figure out how the hell did this ever happen? You know, and the reason why it happened, obviously, is because you sent weaker stuff out um, to face the Nod player when you should have sent something more substantive Um, at that given point in time. You know, again, these are just things that you gotta think about. Um, on the flip side of that though, if you looked at GDI, you really do need to utilize Leos early on to basically offset that armor that they've got, you know, and and that heavy firepower that they got. Uh, you need to use the Leo income advantage in many respects so that you can cash in and actually get your stuff up and going to the degree of what GDI has, so there, there are different, you know, different scenarios, depending on the map also, um, where it makes sense versus where it doesn't make sense, um, like, for example, if you're doing narrow passageways, you, you can't really be messing with Leo's narrow passageways of GDI, uh, simply put, those tanks will mow you down every time, um, but that's what I wanted to say on that, uh, for now, uh, was there anything you wanted to say, Azusa?
1: Nope, I'm good
0: on the subject. Alright, cool. You know that 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 was it. Um, you know, we can go further in depth in like a later episode, but I'm not gonna sit up here and just beat it all now. There's no need to. And I might end up uh, you know, uh producing a video of it, I don't know. Um just simply based on, you know, uh what my findings are and stuff like that. It just it just depends. Okay, so the next thing, uh, that I guess we're gonna be talking about is going to be anime. Who would've thought anime? Just, yeah, gonna talk about some anime. Um, recently, uh, I finally been drawn into it. I saw it on Cartoon Network for a hot second, thought it was a total waste of time, because it was some bald-headed fool, and I was like, I'm not even gonna waste my time watching this shit. Um... And, uh, you know, pretty much it's, it's the kind of thing where, you know, you want to sit down and just have a laugh or two. It's, it's totally cool for that. Um, but it's, uh, it's one man punch. Okay. Now one man punch has been out for a while. It's nothing new. Um, so I don't want anyone to sit up here and say, wow, where's Doug been? I mean, he's now just talking about one man punch. No, I just honestly, in the way that I do anime, um, I like a lot of the classics, I like to call them that, um, I believe Carl Masek referred to it as the silver age of anime, because he believed the 70s was like the golden age of anime, I don't know what he was smoking when he was believing that, but anyways, um, you know, I, I like the classics, uh, also, I do like the yeah, modern,
1: there. what was that? He was watching too much Vampire
0: Hunter D. He probably was watching too much Vampire Hunter D. No, but he, he considers that to be the Silver Age of anime. He still does. I'm like, I can't even believe that. You know, I, I really can't. But he does. That's what he said. He said it himself. That was the Silver Age. Um, And maybe Silver was supposed to be better than Gold. he did. I mean, he's gone now, so. Yeah, that's right. I can't ask him now. I should have asked him while I had the chance. Um... But, uh, you know, I like anime from the 80s. I love it from the 80s. I think honestly that was the best time for anime. I do think the 90s were really, really good. Uh, new millennium anime, I think it's gotten better. I do think it's gotten better. I will say that. Uh, but right now you got this big kick going on with, um, superheroes. And it, it seems like all of a sudden in the past, I want to say, year, I'd give it roughly about the past year, year and a half, you, you've you had this big huge things with superheroes going on. Now, I, I want to say something about this. I'm not saying that anime has not been produced uh dealing with superheroes prior to this. What I'm saying is if you go online, okay, like if you go to YouTube, all right, and for example, if you look up like One Man Punch um, versus whatever, you'll see that. Uh, you now have people doing, like, I want to say, uh, parodies and whatnot, um, of, like, anime superheroes and stuff like that, where they'll take these, like, cross-universes and make animations out of them and, and all sorts of crazy shit, okay? Um, it's just the, the community itself that, that festers this, you know, this whatever it is.
1: Um okay. Hey, dark. Yeah. What is One Man Punch? I don't know this anime. I'm not into anime anymore. I don't watch it.
0: You don't? Unless
1: it's something I'm
0: told to. Oh, man, so... There's nothing
1: interesting that. to me. I don't have Netflix. I've, Cartoon Network is a complete and total joke. It's, so I don't even look at it anymore.
0: Okay, so One Man Punch. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, so One Man Punch is basically about uh this guy... Um, who can't get a job for whatever reason and he uh decides one day that he's going to become a superhero because he saved this kid with a giant butt chin from this like giant lobster thing like seriously that's what it is like that that's that's his backstory it's as simple as that Uh, pretty much pretty much um, okay, he ends up for three years straight doing a hundred push ups, a hundred sit ups, and runs ten kilometers each day. and it comes to a point where when you see him in the story, and this is when you first see him in the story, okay, not not like you know episodes later, but when you first meet him in the story, he's able to pretty much just beat anybody with like one punch. Now, when we're talking about anybody here, I should be be fair about this, okay what we're talking about when we talk about anybody is we're talking about basically like imagine Goku and dragon ball Z super saiyan level three. And this dude just hits Goku and Goku's like head rolls right off. Like that's, that's basically how it works. Um, the guy himself is just insanely powerful he has virtually no limits, based on how the story portrays itself right now. Now, I, I don't want to sound like a broken record in the way that people do on YouTube, um, because I understand exactly a how the story is supposed to work. B, the, I mean, obviously there's a buildup in terms of his power and displaying his power. Um, but uh, basically, there's like an episode where the dude like literally gets punched to the moon, he gets knocked to the moon or whatever the case is, he craters right into the moon, he doesn't got a scratch on him, and then he jumps right back to Earth. Yeah, like that's that's how this works. Some kind of okay. shit.
1: And hey, you're watching this, why? I, I, well, the, so. Yeah, no, no, you, you don't got an answer to that, do you? What, what,
0: answer to what?
1: What? Why, how would you watch something so lame?
0: Okay, wait a minute here. Why
1: I watched Whoa 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 And then come back and beat me up. What the fuck, dude? That's like two ten year olds talking about what they think would be awesome for Superman versus Batman.
0: Okay, wait a second here. Wait a second here. To begin with, I actually have only watched one or two episodes of One Man Punch. The rest of it I saw all these people do these verses, okay? They all did the verses thing, yeah, right?
1: You're br- and that. No, but you bring it up? And so, I mean, you're the one, you know, defending it at this point. You can't been through, I've only seen two episodes. Sorry, dude. No, that's I the have. What are we
0: talking about? Yeah. Listen, dude. My son sits up here. Destin's always like, "Dad, let's watch One Man Pod." Oh, Dad, let's watch great One Man I'm like, what? What? One Man? What? So, now, now, wait a minute here, there are some redeeming qualities there, okay, because he does like Slayers, he does. There's,
1: okay, I like Slayers too, but they don't fucking punch people to the moon, they got craters on the moon that jumps back down to Earth well, to fight. Well, that's, That shit doesn't happen. That doesn't even happen in Dragon Ball Z, dude, but, and Dragon Ball Z goes way beyond the limits of what the fuck.
0: Now, wait a minute here, I gotta, wait a second here, okay, so you, you bring up a good point. That's, it, it, and this is the whole thing, okay, which is, he's supposed to be a superhero. Like, the guy's actually a superhero. Like, his job is, he's a full-time superhero. He's, he's like, rank C. I guess you can be ranked as, you know how the Japanese do this shit. But, um, he's, like, rank C in, in the superhero guild, or club, or whatever the fuck it is. I don't know. But, um, it's, it, like there's been this fascination. You're not that, helping you, guys.
1: Huh? That's not helping you any. I'm just pointing that out. That it's now apparently a job that's ranked. That's why like, I say he's yeah. over nine thousand. Good for him.
0: Well, the the idea about it is this: is that all of a sudden now, what you have is you have these people who traditionally have liked, for example, Superman or the Incredible Hulk or whoever they've liked, and it's it's all about this transformation that people have from Western superheroes and them now bleeding over to Eastern culture and the reinterpretation of what they are. Okay. So like when you look at one man punch, for example, in many respects, people look at that and say, Oh, it's Superman. Okay. Except he's bald and he's, he's shorter and uh, he's bald. Uh, All his hair fell out after he did his training, those hundred push-ups. I mean, I was like, okay, all right. Superman's not bald. Yeah, I know he's not bald. Um, but uh,
1: Superman's not short. He's like six foot tall.
0: Now, now, at first, I was kind of intrigued by the whole concept of of how people looked at this. Plus,
1: you know, in Japan, six feet tall means you're like a giant.
0: So that's true. Superman would be a giant. But there's another anime, um, which is, like, I think called Superhero Academy or whatever, which actually deals with, um, people who want to become superheroes. I mean, like, this is actually, like, uh... And think about, like, the person who did, like, Cooley or something like that, okay? It's done by, like, the same kind of people, okay? Um, when you're thinking about, like, the art style and the anime and all that kind of stuff there. And in that anime, they have a character who's called, uh, All Might, um and basically, like, he's, he might as well be fucking Superman, I mean, seriously, you know, truth, justice, the American way, Uh but in the case of that anime, what happens is the dude's been severely hurt, he can only keep his form for so long, so he has this power that's called all for one, and what he's able to do is he's able to pass it on to somebody else, so of course, you know where this story goes, there's some kid who, doesn't have a chance in the world of becoming a superhero, but due to his dedication and his love for wanting to be a superhero, All Might pities his ass and says, "Here, I'll give you my all for one." And then you you know where that's going to go from there, okay? the The point of what right. of what I'm saying here is,
1: you couldn't just post up on Craigslist. Listen, I'm giving off my all for one. Show up at Starbucks on the corner and. uh <laughs> we will talk about whether I think you're the best person or not. You're going to go with the lame kid that has absolutely no chance in hell, but he just happens to be walking by, and he's so dedicated to being something that he knows there's no chance he'll ever be. Nope. Like, I, I'm trying to hear that your kid is like, getting used to the wrong kinds of anime.
0: Oh, no, no uh, he he hasn't watched this one. He hasn't. I actually saw this one. Oh,
1: so this, is your choice.
0: This, this, this
1: one is your so much worse.
0: This one is one is uh is me. Now the reason why I watched it, um the reason to why I watched it was
1: that they had different classes. Dad, go, of, go back and watch the Bigipop Tanem for me, will you please? Every time you have superheroes.
0: Oh, I still got that. I've been thinking about that. I've been thinking about that.
1: Bugie Pop Tantum, was a superhero and that was a fucking Listed anime they know i'm gonna give you my superpowers because you're going some of this bullshit going on there you're like um you took my powers you shouldn't have had them so now you're going to die actually you shouldn't even exist. existed so i don't even know if this is considered killing you when you were never born it's
0: it's all about poom poom that's what it is it's about the poom poom you know it's some
1: serious lame shit going on there
0: just handing out balloons and killing people, that's what it is. Handing out balloons and killing people. <laughs> um, but, uh, like literally- That's the golden age of, uh, animal right there, if I'm
1: gonna say something.
0: What, what, the, the 90s? Where,
1: no, the 90s, but it was early 2000 when they were getting into film at Lane, which was the end of the 90s, and then up Ball Phantom, and that kind of crap, where it was all about just the story itself was experimenting with where a story could go versus what was happening in the 80s where in 70s like uh, Gameplay Under D don't get me wrong D was amazing great anime but D followed a pretty traditional story path. if you follow it you look at something like Phantom or Lane and it was twisted even if you go into Neogenesis Evangelion which was a failed attempt at it in my opinion they were still trying to do new things with the idea of just being able to tell a story now you're telling me that they've gone back to like Saturday morning cartoon level of anime
0: Well, that's just your, that's your superhero thing. It's, it's not all of them. I mean, like there's, uh, there's the animes that I actually like to watch the ones that because I don't watch that much anime anymore in terms of versus what I used to. Part of it deals with what you said, just how shitty some animes are. Like, I'm not going to sit up here and waste my time watching a shitty ass storyline. Um, the, the ones that like I watch, uh, normally have, like, a rock-solid storyline that take it to just, like, a different realm of whatever. Like, the last one I watched the whole way through, it was 12 episodes, um, it was called, uh, I think Tanya, the, uh, the evil something, but anyways, the, the story was about a, um, a guy, okay, who fired one of his employees the employee gets pissed off and then shoves the dude into the, uh, subway train on his way home. Okay. Needless to say, the bus is coming. He, he's about to get hit by the bus. And then, um, he calls him, uh, like being, uh, being X or God, whichever you'd like to, uh, talk about, uh, in relationships to how the, uh, the story goes, basically being X. All right. Says, listen, If you'll acknowledge me, worship me, and all this, I'll reincarnate you. Otherwise, you can just sit up here and and, and die. And the character, the dude, he's like, well, I'm not going to sit up here and recognize your stupid ass. I don't even care. Up until he realizes, wait a minute, everyone else gets reincarnated, but I won't be coming back? And he's like, yep, pretty much that's how it's going to be. So because of his defiance, he says, listen, I'm going to reincarnate you one more time. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to stick you in the body of a six-year-old and... I'm going to throw you in a parallel, like 19, we're talking like 1914, um, you know, uh, industrial age, uh, world war one kind of scenario. Like that's what you end up getting. And it's a really, really good story because basically he has to acknowledge the existence of being X, however he does, which gives him the abilities to do what he needs to do at the same time, Bean X has set it up where everybody in the world wants to kill him, either directly or indirectly. So understand that basically he's one of those mages. You know how Japanese, they love their mages or alchemists or whatever. Um, and, uh, and, and understand he, he's, no, he's, he's no longer a grown man at this point. Okay, like like every other fucking alchemist, okay, ever ever done, um, or mage, he he he's reincarnated as like a little girl. That's what he gets. Like it it sucks in that respect. So what happens is because of his abilities, because you got to keep in mind, he's got the he's got all of his past memories, all of his understandings, all of everything of this world that we live in, but he gets to go back in time or to a, he gets to go to a place that represents our past. I'll put it like that, because it's not actually going back in time. So, needless to say, he's able to excel in certain areas where others can't. Um, And what you end up getting is you end up getting a very interesting story, because the story is almost like a paradox in the sense of the limitations of the Industrial Age, while still giving some of the mysticisms, if you will, of, uh, alchemy, of mages and stuff like that, but also of a person of today having the foresight that they do due to the events that had played out in the past. So he's in Germany. Okay. Or what we would consider to be Germany. Um, basically it's a world war one scenario that inadvertently based on what he shall I say, deals his cards out as, turns into almost like a World War II scenario. You know, so it's almost like bridging World War I and, and World War II. Um, but it's just a really great story in in, in how it works. Um, and th- there are a couple of other ones that they have like it. You know, just in the anime, they follow trends and stuff like that. Uh, but the superhero thing, y- you now have a mesh. And, and you talked about Dragon Ball Z. This is the funny thing about it. In Dragon Ball Z, they do that stupid shit now. They do. I'm not even joking around. Like,
1: I I haven't watched much of Dragon Ball Super. I'll be honest with you. I've watched maybe the first fifteen episodes. Yeah. When uh, I Goku just went to the planet to start doing his own training to be a uh, god or demon or whatever the hell, the god of destruction. I stopped watching it. I know there's a ton of episodes I could catch up on, but i don't know it doesn't have the same no it doesn't draw to me that Dragon Ball Z used to have
0: that 's right well there I think there are a couple of reasons for it um the first thing is this is that I think it comes down to where anime is today versus where it used to be. If you looked at anime if you look at anime today it 's mainstream that 's what it is it 's a mainstream thing. And this is one of the problems that you have with something like a one-man punch. Although, I mean, for for people who like Superman, okay, or, or for people who like DC Comics and stuff like that, um, or you know Marvel Comics, and they want to have characters that are just fucking invincible. Like this feeds into that into that whole you know that whole aura um, or superhero. Okay. Academy. Yeah.
1: I want to bring this up, and, you know, this might be uh, a the uh, situation, but let's talk about Superman real quick. Most people do not like Batman vs. Superman. Did you watch that movie?
0: I only watched parts of it. I didn't watch the whole thing.
1: Okay. I watched the movie. I only did I watch the movie in theaters, which I actually liked. I watched the extended version on DVD or Blu-ray. I would highly suggest watching the extended version. It explains a hell of a lot more. It makes a lot more sense. But, they do, or the director does, an amazing job of attacking Superman in the one place where he can never be invincible, which is his ego and how he sees himself. When Superman is standing in the middle of Congress, after the bomb goes off, and everyone else is dead, and the flames are flying around him, and he is looking down at his hands, realizing that he should have saw it, he didn't see it, because he was distracted, and all these people died because of him, that was a very pivotal moment in the extended version of the movie, and it goes to show that even when you're invincible, somebody, somewhere will find their way to make your invincibility a weakness.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you can't kill them, if you can't kill him, you just kill everyone around him. That's all you got to do. Make him wish he was dead, even if you can't kill him.
1: That's all. That's what they did. I yeah. mean, he made him wish he was dead. I mean, he's trying to save the few people that are surviving, and a survivor, a lot of other survivors are going to end up. Why do not you save more? And then he kicks off and runs away. I did away too. Fuck you! Yeah, I'm trying to save a few remaining survivors. And then you up it, and me like, "Why didn't you save everyone else?" What the hell is wrong with people? But that's also the point of why you attack somebody that has such a moral compass. Yeah, no. I haven't seen anyone that does something like that. I'm just saying.
0: Well, that's. So to the point of that, that would be more of, if you're talking like the moral compass and and, and stuff like that, um, that is supposed to be what Superhero Academy is supposed to partly deal with. Um, I only saw the first season of it, but um, in the second season, they're supposed to go more into that. They They do start to go into that in the first season. Okay, with the various different superheroes and stuff like that, not with one superhero though, which, which I gotta point out, but with various superheroes and how they are. Like like in other words, these a lot of the, the the characters have backstories that you don't see and like they have parents that are superheroes, so on and so forth, and they gotta like go through all that stupid shit however it is. Um But in in terms of the psychology and stuff like that because these animes are so new and I, and I got I got to I guess I got to give them that uh their stories are so undeveloped those are the kind of things that they've got to they, they got to look at my point would be this though you're at a point now where social media has basically hijacked I'll, I'll put it like that they've hijacked effectively an anime production before it's even taken full root um a great example of this okay you talk about dragon ball uh, super there's this um, channel on youtube called uh, anime wars and um you, you know you can uh hit it i think there's like four episodes there just type in anime wars and it's like the dumbest shit i've ever seen it, it literally is like the dumbest shit i've ever seen it's one of these like cross universe things where you have naruto you have goku you have Ichigo. You have um, One Man Punch. Does everyone? Does everyone lose to Goku in the end? Goku's not the strongest. So far, Goku's getting his ass kicked. He's like the one guy getting his ass beat. royally.
1: Then that doesn't make any sense because I'm sorry, there's no way Goku's gonna lose to either Ichigo or Naruto. Well, That's a fan
0: service. W- w- wait a minute here. Wait a minute here. They're not. Okay. So those guys are all on the same team fighting some other motherfuckers. I don't even know. Um, basically the only reason why I was even wanting to watch a single episode of it. And I basically watched like one episode of it. Uh, and then I was like, okay, well, let's see what the follow episode is. And then I was like, oh my God, this is terrible. It is as bad as I thought it was going to be. Uh, is because it had one man punch in it. And One Man Punch was supposed to go up against Majin Buu. So, Buu had absorbed something-something, which made him, like, super, super powerful.
1: What Majin Buu, though? Because this comes back to something that doesn't make any sense to me. If you go from Dragon Ball Z, Majin Buu is the ultimate badass. Even if he's a big, fluffy pile of pink goo that's giggly and happy and whatever, you're still the bad guy. He'd be able to be any other bad guy in the series. And then you go to Dragon Ball Super, and Majin Buu's a joke. And that makes no sense to me because Goku hasn't advanced any. Vegeta really has not advanced any. Vegeta doesn't snap until uh, Lord Beerus or whatever slaps his wife, Palmer. and then he flips out just like Vegeta always does when you hit one of his family members and goes... Batshit crazy. But even then, he's only a Super Saiyan level 2. So what's he gonna do? And then even then, Vegeta at Super Saiyan level 2 attacking the Lord of Destruction or God of Destruction does a hell of a lot more, and Goku even comes close to doing it at Super Saiyan level 3. So,
0: What Majin Buu are we talking about here? Where did they pull him from? And this is the dude. This is this is this is Majin Buu. and he he. I think he ate that one dude with the staff. You know the Lord of Destruction. But then that other dude right next to him with the staff. Yeah, that was his uh, teacher. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah. He merged with that guy and got all super strong, but one man punch just. Uh, oh no, no, Lord of Destruction faced off against Majin Buu. There we go, I forgot that. Lord of Destruction faces off against Majin Buu. Lord of Destruction gets beat by Majin Buu. And then one man punch just
1: like- That's not how it happens though. Huh? That is not how- Majin Buu fights the lord, the god of destruction, the god of death, whatever you wanna call him.
0: Yeah.
1: And he rips his ass in the anime. It's not even a fight, he has no chance in hell. But in, okay, and okay, like Goku going back and beating up on uh, Paul Rudd when he's Super Saiyan level two—it's it, not going to happen.
0: In the way that they did this, he Majin absorbed—he absorbs the the teacher or whoever. He he ends up absorbing somebody who makes him stronger. That's what he does. Lord of Destruction. Goes up against Majin Buu, and he just gets beat. Um, or I'll put it this way. He doesn't, like, get beat beat. Let me put it like that. He's just not that strong. And then that's where one man punch comes in and just, like, literally punches him and boom. I mean, like, he actually has to punch him, like, more than once, though, in all fairness. But it's, it's like, this is the problem, that's though. Terrible. I
1: mean, why don't we go back to, what was that anyway back in the uh, 80s and 90s? Fist of the North Star. Why do you just do that? One punch, you're dead. You're gonna, like, bleed from every pore in your body and die, and I beat you because I punched you.
0: I was wondering how long it would take you to uh bring up this this uh, Fist of the North Star. I was wondering that. Um, well, it's the same shit, it sounds like to me. I'm sorry. It, it basically is the same stuff. I'm not saying that it's not. But, like, these people create animations now. They create actual, like... 20-some-minute episodes on this stuff. Like,
1: that's... Whatever. That I'm is... Just, like, it, it sounds like anime is lost its way. Well, I it think It also sounds like the current people that are developing it and their fans are simply saying, My stuff's struggling, your stuff, so go fuck yourself.
0: Well, to begin with, I actually do... I, I agree with you on that. I believe that, um... That if you're talking about, like, for example, Dragon Ball Z, uh, you know, it pretty much ended with the Boo Saga. It's over. I mean, it's like, unless you want to go to, like, Vegito, or Go Vegita, there's no point in even wasting your time. like, who the hell are you gonna fight? Like, seriously, you, 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 you went to the Planet of the Kais, you damn near blew their planet up. Those fuckers didn't want to fight anybody. If the Lord of Destruction was anything, he would have sat up here and fought though you know, Goku and Majin Buu when they were laying it all down then. You know, um but to come back with an
1: animated hey, series... look at Vegito. Remember the Gito because the only way Dragon Ball Z ending makes any sense is if uh, Kid Buu is nowhere near as strong as Majin Buu was. It's the only way it makes any sense. And it does make sense from the point of view if that's why he you know he lost all the Different kinds that he had absorbed over time when he became Kid Buu. But Majin Buu, Fat Buu, wasn't interested in doing that kind of crap anymore, which is why he wasn't able to beat Kid Buu. Kid Buu is like a pure version of Majin Buu versus Fat Buu being the end result. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: Yeah, Kid Buu. Roger was at his strongest point when he was Evil Boo, Then he had uh, Gohan after he'd had all that training and Piccolo and the Junior Rugrats and Super Saiyan Level 3. They had no chance in hell against Vegito. He turned Vegito into a jawbreaker and as a jawbreaker he was kicking his ass. That just shows what his power level is. And then going forward, if you tell me this one-man punch guy is able to beat Majin Buu and Goku's getting his ass kicked, you know it just nothing makes any sense to me in that storyline.
0: Well, Goku's
1: fighting like some kind of fan fiction.
0: Wait, wait a minute here. Wait a minute here. Goku's fighting somebody else altogether. He's fighting somebody. They're they're off in little different spots. dude, I don't look. I, my whole thing don't about Shut shit up, dude! I'm just up with some holes. I'm just saying. I, I, look, I, I'm. I, listen, I'm agreeing with you. I don't see how on earth that you, you get a storyline where you have Ichigo, and Goku. No, 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 no. Actually, it's, I think it's Ichigo, in like Trunks' God form and Vegeta. You know, God form, whatever the hell it is, God of Destruction form. How you get those guys in the same know. room? You just, it doesn't happen, but, like, this is what's happened, like, this is, when you, when you, when you look at things like what I had talked about earlier, and you go, well, how do people deal with this stuff, or, like, how do they watch it, so on and so forth, it's because you've got other people producing their fan fictions, and it is a fan fiction, uh, producing their fan fiction series where people are paying them to do this. That's literally what you have going
1: on. And Okay, um and, and I, I have agree with you. Question? Yeah, go right ahead. Okay. So in a lot of this there's Yu Yu Haka Show.
0: Yu Yu Haka Show?
1: Yeah, remember Yu Haka Show. I'm sure I, you remember him.
0: I do, and I have to say that he wasn't there to cut to make the final cut. He wasn't. Um, he's powerful. That's sure bullshit. his boom or finger
1: attack was just as powerful as a goddamn Kamehameha.
0: That, that is it true.
1: Shows if you watch them both point to point, you can see exactly when those two people were following the same actual line of, you know, mentality and everything.
0: That's, look, you could say that. You could also talk about, I want to say, uh, Lena Inverse and her, and her powers. Um you know, uh y- she would just drag us over of the entire area and walk away. I mean that's exactly what she do. That's what happens when you can cast. Mokes. And that that goes to, you know, I think part what of the What was that other
1: one, the guy with the uh the samurai redhead?
0: A Rona uh Kenshin? Or Kenshin? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Kenshin. Kenshin.
0: yeah. Yeah, you got him, too. That's true. I mean, like, the difference, though, is this. They're not westernized. They're not. I, well, except for Lena Inverse. I mean, I might say that she is. But clearly, like, Yu Yu Hakusho, okay, that shit ain't westernized. I mean, you may have some western characters in there, but it's not westernized. And I, and I think that that's part of of what it is, is that, you know, it's the, the dumb fuckery, I'll phrase it like that, of of Western culture bleeding itself into Eastern culture and Eastern culture trying to process it. At the same time, you have Eastern culture bleeding itself into Western culture and Western culture trying to process it. You know, a a lot of these people, when they talk about anime, they clearly have no clue of what good anime is. I mean, like, I, I think that's fair for us to say here, okay? Number one. Number two... You got to think about where were these people like 20 or 30 years ago when anime was something that was very, very, very fresh, you know, um, they weren't there. I mean, they're for all practical purposes. They're just fucking groupies. That's what they are. They're groupies. It's like, Oh, I'm into anime. Why? Because it's the end thing to do. I mean, like, quite honestly, you know what? One-man punch may be powerful, but you know who I think could take down one-man punch? Everyone's got it all wrong. They're trying to throw Superman out there. Yep, he's getting beat. They're trying to throw the Hulk out there. Yep, he gets beat. I say, fuck that shit. You go with somebody equally unbreakable, and we go with Echo. That's what we do. That's exactly what we do. Project Ako? I go with Echo. Yeah. That's exactly what I do. I do Echo or um, I'm I'm smart enough to realize cuz I, I was watching all these people and how they were doing these verses. I'm not going to choose a character that's going to have to basically fight with sheer attrition. Like um there's this anime called Seven Deadly Sins on Netflix and uh there's this character called Eleonis. and he has the sword and uh it, it's it's his ability his power okay it's actually not a sword but it's his power um cuz he has a sword that that has no sword to it but it's just a handle uh, it's called a counter like basically when he uses his attack his, his attack is a counter whatever you hit him with he hits you back with it with equal or greater force that's that's basically what it is so he, that tells me everything there. When when I see these people sit up here and talk about, like, One Man Punch, which, I look, I personally don't have a problem with the character of One Man Punch. I don't have a problem with One Man Punch at all. Um I mean, you're talking about one season, God knows, out of, for all I know, that could end up being a fucking Inuyasha thing. That could be, like, 200 episodes or three or four. That part doesn't bother me. What bothers me is when people sit up here and say oh let's take this character or this character or this character these characters that clearly have no chance of beating him based on the premise of how he's made and they don't dig any deeper to say okay you know what from the same shall we say culture put it that way these are the kind of characters that you would put up against a one-man punch so echo would be a prime candidate i mean echo is insanely powerful in fact. Whatever beat Aiko, nothing. nothing. You know, and remember, if you want, if you remember the original Project Aiko, at the end of it, that Clark Kent looking motherfucker was supposed to be her dad, and that Wonder Woman looking bitch was supposed to be her mother. That's that's how it was supposed to work. You know. So
1: I, I'm yeah, just well, Aiko was weird to begin with. I mean.
0: Yeah, of course she was weird. She was crazy weird. Um, But even when you go through... I
1: mean, there's other animes you can even point at and go, what the fuck? Because, I mean, you got... And we're going to go back to the stuff that's from the early 2000s. Outlaw Star. Yeah. And Eurasia. I Mm. mean, these are all decent to good animators that came out back then. Uh, of the Lotus Wars. Great anime. That was from the 90s. You're right. So, and when you know, you're talking about this one-man punch, it just sounds like it's somebody trying to make an anime that's better than all the other animes out there that came before it. Third Alchemist. Brotherhood. We'll go with that one. Wow. You can go with, um... Armitage the Third. I'm sure you remember her.
0: Yeah.
1: In that anime series. Fuck, so, let's just go back to your classic, man. I mean... Bubblegum Crisis.
0: It's... It, it's true, yeah. I mean, like, there there are plenty of animes you can definitely let's, look at. Let's
1: you know. take... Let's take the team from Bubblegum Crisis and say what would they do against Goku honestly Goku's going to get his ass kicked he's not going to want to fight him he might take one or two of them down and then he's going to get like broadsided by somebody and knocked out and then they're just going to beat the fuck out of him because those girls are not going to stop unloading on him until he is not moving Goku's not Vegeta Vegeta's got no qualms he'd kill off fucking all of them Goku would be like, why can't we be friends? And we'd just like, no, you need to die, motherfucker, and kill him.
0: Well, I mean, if, if I had to do something like that, I'd have to go with Lago and the, the Super Boomer thing. That's what I'd have to do. You know, because he had That's
1: a, fine, go with whatever you want, my point still stands. Anything, any group from Bubblegum Crisis can beat Goku. They wouldn't beat Vegeta, but they would sure as fuck beat Goku.
0: Well, they they would based on the fact that if you watch Dragon Ball Z, if you have a sword, you can cut, you can cut him, you can do it, it's totally doable. And it's it's one of the, this is where I'd have to sit up here and go with, honestly, something like Yu Yu Hakusho, I'll tell you the truth. Like, I, I would,
1: I'd rather... I'd rather Yu Yu Hakusho, I'd Goku would lose and Vegeta would win.
0: What, well, against Yu Yu Hakusho? Nah, Vegeta's not going to beat, no... No, he's not going to beat those guys from Yu Yu Hakusho.
1: is not going to stop until one of them are dead. Yeah, Goku, but- at the last moment, is going to pull back to try to make a new friend. Yeah,
0: but that's, like, if you remember that movie in Yu Yu Hakusho, though, the movie that they had, that, that movie just... Dude, those guys will combine their powers and kick Vegeta's ass. I mean, Vegeta's tough, don't get me wrong.
1: I don't know... If- I don't know what
0: movie you're talking about. Do you...
1: Yu Yu Hakusho watched Yu all the way up through uh, the tournament in the other world. And then when he came back to Earth, I stopped watching it. But oh, you never
0: saw the OVA. So, okay, so there's an OVA. There's an OVA. That's what it is. There's an OVA. That's what I'm... I'm talking about the OVA. Okay, that explains it. I didn't know that you had... I,
1: I watch, might have to go back and watch that. Yeah, but I'm just talking about after uh, the old chick dies and he gets all her powers and that's when that little finger gun of his becomes so powerful it looks like a Kamehameha on like steroids.
0: That's right, yeah. because yeah, when I first watched you you Hakusho, Show, I watched it back in the nineties and I watched the OVA. That's what I did. I, I had bought I had it on VHS.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and th- but you and, still get my point. I mean, it, it depends yeah. on who you're talking about from Dragon Ball Z. I've always felt Vegeta was the better character.
0: Well, he is. He's stronger in the end. He is. Because he's he's, he's self-made. St-
1: he's a stronger character though mentally, too. Yeah. He's the one that goes through the journey of go- becoming from a bad guy to a good guy, of dealing with the ideas of, you know, two years ago or four years ago, I would have just killed you, but now I'm trying to not kill you at the same time I'm not gonna let you hurt anyone else so he's fighting with his inner demons Goku's always just Goku
0: that's right and, and not Which all of that always
1: pissed me off about Dragon Ball Z I mean they've always just said and it's Goku time
0: well you know Fujita survives the spirit bomb he survives it and
1: that's yeah. enough well so it's free so I mean that doesn't mean anything
0: but that's Goku's most powerful weapon. No, wait a minute here. Frieza survives it, but Frieza doesn't survive it in the way that Vegeta does. And also, remember, Goku goes Super Saiyan to launch the Spirit Bomb. And also remember that... No, he
1: doesn't.
0: Yeah, he does.
1: Goku doesn't want to become a Super Saiyan until after the Spirit Bomb. No, I'm Goku talking about... the Spirit Bomb Frieza. Frieza shows back up after it hits and said, that hurt, that really hurt then starts killing Piccolo and Krillin, and that's when Goku goes Super Saiyan, finally. No, after Krillin gets what he finally deserved.
0: I'm talking about in the Boo saga. In the Boo saga. When Vegeta gets hit oh, with at the... Oh, the Spirit-
1: end, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, Vegeta's holding down Boo. Also, he gets hit with the Spear Bomb. Goku goes Super Saiyan to launch the Spirit Bomb. That's how strong Vegeta is. See... The the truth about Dragon Ball Z is this. Vegeta's the strongest character. Everybody knows it. Vegeta knows he's the strongest character. But he's just got to put on the act so that Goku can feel good about himself. That's what it is. That's exactly what it is. Imagine what the story is. he does
1: is, uh... Look what happens when, uh... Trunks gets killed by Cell. Vegeta's ape shit on him. Same thing, like I said, when Vegeta is standing there in front of, uh, the God of Destruction and he slaps Boma. Vegeta goes ape shit and does a hell of a lot more damage than Goku even attempted to do as Super Saiyan level 3. Just shows that Vegeta's a master of taking his current abilities and maximizing them where Goku squanders
0: them. Well what Vegeta should have done and he didn't do is he should have fused with Goku and said, okay, listen, we're gonna do some stupid little dance and yeah, you know how we beat Janemba? Yeah, we're gonna beat this dude the same way. That's what we're gonna do. That that the GT would be over I'm oh, sorry not GT, but super would be over if they, if they did that. It'd be over like you that. Well
1: the oh, that's whole point. What about when uh they combined? They became Vegito, not uh Tank or whatever the hell uh Go Vegeta. Go yeah, Gogito, yeah. Well when it comes to Vegeta, they became Vegito. And Vegito was a stronger character than, than Gogeta. Yeah, that's right. As stupid as that sounds
0: Well, that's because it was magic. It was magic.
1: What well, a magical rings?
0: Yeah, that's right. It was. It was.
1: Uh, okay, I'm almost to with the podcast, man. It's almost, what time is that? It's
0: 1.30. Yeah, do you want to do
1: that last? I live? a lot of people don't like it when our, well, I just know a lot of people don't like it when the podcast goes for, like, hours and hours.
0: No, no, I understand. Um, do you wanna do that do you wanna hold off on that last thing and do it next time?
1: Yeah, let's do that.
0: Okay. Alright, yeah, we can do that. Um so guys, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna close it down now. Um Yeah, we'll
1: I'll know Doug watches bad anime now.
0: <laughs> what nah no. I watch good anime. I will yeah. sit up here and throw up a list.
1: You came into this and did all this stuff. You were telling me that was bad.
0: There's a reason why I I'm told sorry. you about it. I never said it was good. I never said it was good. I mean,
1: don't watch his one man punch. And I'm going back to watching my series. That's all I'm saying.
0: Look, the the one man punch thing. I don't even I don't even know. All I saw him do was just punch somebody, and he did his thing, and I was like, okay, it's strong. I admit. But Aiko is just as strong. You're not showing me anything I haven't seen. So what? You got some CGI behind you now, so it looks more powerful than what it is. Um, but I'll send you. I'll tell you what. I'll send you that that link. You can see that DBZ thing. Um, I, I Look, I actually agree with you 100% in terms of just the sheer interpretation of it. I think they they people screw it up. And I think this is why fans should not make animes. The exact reason why they shouldn't. Uh, Yeah, they should not do it, yeah, professionally at all. They shouldn't even attempt to do it professionally. Um, But that's what I have to say for now. All right, guys, you take care. We will talk to you later. All right, bye-bye